If you have your Bibles with you, which I hope you do, uh, open to Matthew or sorry, Luke chapter five. Luke chapter five. Uh, we'll, we'll park there for the for the first part. But before I get into that, um, I mentioned this last week, and if you're not here with us last week, that's fine. Uh, you can always catch it online. Uh, but we are preparing to move forward in 2022. Uh, uniquely enough, Pastor Robin picked all these worship songs a month ago. Uh, and, so had, and so the Holy Spirit is talking and doing this uh, and moving forward in 2022. Uh, last year, we talked about to- tell your story. And so this year, it's about moving forward. Uh, and I think part of the reason why is one, because I think God wants to do some new things in us. Um, uh, there's an idea of unity that's coming up and, and the idea of, of moving forward. But the, uh, in the big picture of the scripture I see uh, this idea of walking with God, and uh, it's something I can't deny. It's something that we should do. And if you say, well, what do you mean, Pastor Roger? Well, think, think with me. Adam walked with God in the garden, right? Enoch walked until he was no more. Noah walked on washed ground. Noah, Abraham walked the promised land. Moses walked ahead of the people. Joshua walked around piles of rubble. Jesus walked to hurting people. Peter walked on water. Paul walked in the Spirit. And so, the big picture, I see that God walked with us throughout all of this love letter that he wrote us. And I don't think that means to stop, right? I think he continues to want to walk with us. It's just whether or not we choose to walk with him. And so, as we choose to walk... Uh, with God, uh, we're going to start out with something called the journey with Jesus. Okay, so this year, uh, like I said, everything that God is wanting to teach us is about walking and moving forward. And we're going to start with the journey with Jesus. So this month, I want to take a look at the disciples' calling. I want to look at the disciples and in, in the different stories that we know of, the calling of different ones. And so we're going to look at Matthew's today. And not that he was the first disciple, but I think there's something unique. And if I were to title my sermon, I would say we need to move like Matthew. We need to move like Matthew. But when Jesus tells his disciples to follow him, the word follow is the idea to come along the same road as me. That's why we have a picture of a road. Because there's this idea that Life is a lifelong journey, right? Those that are wiser than me with more gray hair than I do, uh, mine's more thinning and balding. Uh, it's okay. Um, but as we move, and those that are wiser knows that there's a journey to life, that there are ups and downs. And I can't help but think that some of you that are farther on the road than I am understand the principle of walking with God every day. That there is a a discipline of walking with God every day. So let's look at, let's start in Luke 5, okay? And let me set the stage for you, okay? Because we'll start off in verse 27, but it's unique here in Luke 5 where uh, he, um, as he's setting up here, he's um, talking with uh, healing. Let me see. Sorry, let me get there myself. So in Luke 5, he sets up and he says this. He's like, 
he calls the first disciple, but then he heals a man with leprosy, okay? And then he forgives the, the paralyzed man. Um, and this is when he's like, hey, like they, they lower him in and they say, what is, uh, your sins are forgiven. And I'm like, okay, that's good, but I'm sure he probably wanted to walk, right? Like his, his idea or his friend's idea was to help him to walk because Jesus heals. But he says, your sins are forgiven. And then the Pharisees get all mad. They're like, wait a minute. Who are you to have authority to forgive sins? And he's like, what's easier to say? Sins are forgiven or get up and walk. But so that you know that I am God, pick up your mat and walk. And he does. And they're like, oh, okay, fine. And then it says something unique there in Luke 5. It says, oh, we have, they were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. Wow, look at this. This is awesome, right? We've seen miraculous things. And in that, then comes this verse in verse 27. That's where we'll start today. It says, after this, after that happened, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at the tax booth. Follow me. Join my road, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. I'm sure that's really good for tax collectors just to leave everything. Uh, we're just going to leave the money, the books. We're just going to walk away. Follow me. Follow him. Verse 29, then Levi had a great banquet for Jesus at his house. He threw a party, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others, others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples. Why do you eat and drink with the tax collectors and sinners? At least that's how I hear it in my head. Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would hide me behind the cross today. Jesus, you be glorified. Holy Spirit, anoint my tongue to speak your words, not mine. I also ask that you would open our ears, open our eyes, open our hearts, so we would receive the word. It would take root and change our lives forever. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, you might be thinking, wait, I thought you said we were going to talk about the calling of Matthew, not Levi. Okay, well, let's, let's take a look at another passage. Okay, uh, flip with, with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 9. I'm actually going to have your fingers do some working here or scrolling on your phone. Once you, when you get to Matthew chapter 9, say here. Okay, some of you are faster than others. That's okay. We're not doing Bible drills, I promise. We're not going to ward candy or anything. It's all right. That's in kids' church. All right, so let me set the stage in this passage, okay? There was, you know, the first calling of uh, there's the paralyzed man, and they, they let him down, and, and Jesus said, oh, your sins are forgiven. And that's really nice, but I think he wants to walk not have his sins forgiven. So, uh, but the Pharisees got all mad. And they said, wait, how, you're not God. You can't forgive sins. And he goes, well, to prove to you that I am God, what's easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or walk? This sounds familiar. Wait. Sounds really familiar. Okay, hold on. Yeah, that's, that's what it is. You hear the paralyzed man. Okay, so must be the same story that's happening. And then, but notice what they say at the end of that one. Uh, like verse 8, it says, The crowd saw this, and they were filled with awe, and they praised God who had, given such, who had given such authority to man. Oh, that's interesting. 
They said great things, but there's a little difference here. Matthew put that he was given authority to a man. Oh, that's nice. uh, This man created miracles. But didn't he just say he was God? All right, right. let's start here. Verse verse 9. Let's start with verse 9. As Jesus went on from there, okay, so as he went from that spot on, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at a tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. That sounds real familiar, but its name's different. Verse 10. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When Pharisees saw this, he asked his disciples, why does the teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Man, that question's familiar. On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. This is different. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Okay. So, man, this is really familiar things. And there's not this. So if we look at it historically, okay, people just understand that Matthew and Levi are kind of the same person. Now, it's unique, though, in Matthew's gospel, the title, the, who we claim that the author is, that Matthew calls himself Matthew and never Levi. And now in the others, in Mark and Luke, the other synoptic gospels, they say Levi, because maybe that's his Aramaic name or his Greek name, and he's more known or more popular by that. But Matthew calls himself Matthew. And he doesn't have this huge name-changing testimony like we have with Peter. Hey, Simon, you are now going to be Cephas, because that's a real popular name, right? No better known as Peter, the rock that I'm going to build my church upon. And we talked about last year how, also known as, and the names, the different names, how God changes people's names, and that it's made for an impact. And that idea that, so what does Matthew mean? Why is Matthew different than Levi? Matthew means a gift of God. Put that in the back of your head. But there are some differences here that I want to take a look at. Now, you know, some of you know me, you're like, man, Pastor Roger, you're making me do work. We're looking at two different passages, Luke and Matthew. Why? Because sometimes the differences, there's details in the differences that matter. And some of you might be thinking, well, of course, Matthew got this. Matthew would know this better, right? It's his calling. He would know what Jesus said. Or maybe it's because of the author idea that Matthew is writing to a certain crowd, to Jewish people who missed it, but for Gentiles. It could also mean that, you know, how many of you have ever done the, uh, uh, it was interesting, there was a social experiment done in high school, and this one teacher came in and yelled at another teacher, just started yelling at them making them, you know, just, I can't believe this happened, da, 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 and then storms out of the room. And then the teacher that's in the classroom passes out a piece of paper and goes, hey, I need you to write down what you saw just because in case something ever happens with the teacher board, I have eyewitnesses. Then the very next day, the other teacher comes back and goes, by the way, thanks for playing along with our social experiment. They look at the, pa- the kids' papers, and whatever kid, whatever teacher they liked the most, they gave a better review for they're like, I like you better, so I'm going to write better for you. Like, he really wasn't yelling. He just came in and was kind of upset. 
Whereas the other ones that cited with the other teacher was like, man, this one teacher, he was red in the face and he's screaming at the top of his lungs, right? It's kind of interesting that you get different perspectives from the same incident that happens. And that doesn't mean that the incident isn't false or one is not more right than the other. It just means that there are perspectives that they want to share and get across. So the first thing that I see is that when Jesus calls you, we need to move like Matthew. There is an instance in Matthew's life. Now, we know that one, that Matthew had a big enough house to have a huge crowd of people. That means he was wealthy. That means he had influence. Maybe not the kind that the Jewish people liked because they, they would think that Matthew stole their money for the Romans. And there would have been some sort of stigma with Matthew of, you're a traitor. You left our people and working for the bad guys. But there is something unique that when Jesus says, follow me, he did. It was an instant it was, I'm going to leave everything behind, I'm getting up, and I'm moving. There is a call to action. When Jesus calls us to follow him, we need to make an action. We need to move like Matthew. So, so there's a, there is a unique thing about an altar call. Can God move in your car? Absolutely. Can God move with a cup of coffee in your hand? Absolutely. Can God move while I'm shoveling snow? Absolutely. I'm listening to worship music, praising Jesus. Passes by the time a lot easier. But there is something unique about a sanctuary, about an altar, about an altar experience. Abraham, would have Abraham listened or understood the sacrifice of his son if he would have done it at home or a three-day trip? Why, why did God have him walk or move to teach him the lesson? There is something unique when you go, listen, I was called into ministry when I was at church camp. There's a reason why I believe in church camp, why we give for kids to go to church camp. Why? Because they experience God out of their normal routine. Youth convention, fine arts festival, all these things that we want to get our kids to and to do is good stuff. Family camp, that's a good thing to go to. Memorial Day camp, good things. Why? Because it breaks the mundane. You're there, you have nothing better to do but to praise God. Why? Because there's nothing to do. Or just take a walk in nature and enjoy the newness of what God is showing you. But let me challenge that we need to move and take an action step. For me, what did that look like? One, and sometimes we think moves are grandiose. Sometimes they are. For me, when uh, my wife probably got frustrated with me the most, uh, we weren't even married at the time, so she's probably been frustrated a lot more after that. But one of the things was when we were dating, she wanted security. Most women do. That's a good thing, right? They want to nest. They want to plan. They want to prepare. That's a good thing. We're dating, and it's like April May is graduation, and I don't know where I'm going for a job. I don't know. I graduate. I could go back to defiance with my grandparents, live in their house, take care of them, work with my grandpa. So I had a plan-ish. 
I'm sure that really excited Tammy. Yes, let's go live with your grandma and grandpa. Woohoo! Right? Now, we weren't engaged yet. We were just dating, but we were planning on. I already knew that I wanted to marry her. But I knew graduation was in May. Funny thing is, I was like, God's got this. Now, it's not like I didn't have interviews. I interview with people. Never worked out, never panned out. But there's a confidence of God knowing your plan and God knowing your path and waiting for the right door to open. There's also nothing wrong with walking through a door, looking around, and backing right out of that door. Because sometimes it may look like a good opportunity, but it's not the God opportunity. Sometimes it looks like a good opportunity, but it's not the God opportunity. Okay? So just because it looks good doesn't mean it's what you should do. Okay? So, <laughs> long story short, my college roommate was like, hey, I just had this interview. If I go there, I would be, I would be driving crazy. They are not techie enough for me. But you would be great there. Thank you, I think. So I interviewed with Pastor Larry Fletcher in New Philadelphia. Worked out perfect. Uh, and, and because he, one, knew my name, my parents' name, he trusted that. He also trusted that, you know, it's, it, there's something good about having a good name to follow. But in that regard of stepping forward, uh, he was confident enough that his daughter, same age as me, who's the oldest living person with half of a heart, had an updated surgery, and that he could walk away, and I stepped in and was able to lead the first Sunday I was there. And he trusted that. But sometimes when you follow after God, sometimes it's a big, grandiose move that you have to wait for in the right timing and the right opportunity to do it. But when Jesus says to move, move. When Jesus calls you, move. Get up. Leave everything else behind. Why? Because we want to experience the new things that God has for us, right? Right? I mean, we sang about it today. God, I'm ready for whatever you want to do. Are you? If God tells you, hey, taps you on the shoulder, hey, I want you to go. I want you to go to the Philippines. Would you say yes? If God taps you on the shoulder and says, hey, I want you to plant a church, come with me. Would you go on the same journey or not? Second thing. When Jesus calls you, we need to know, like Matthew. And this is that difference between the name. Know what God calls you. Matthew referred to himself as, I'm a gift from God. He referred to himself, he goes, I know that I'm God's gift. That is a little conceited if you ask me. <laughs> like, I am all that and a bag of chips, right? Like, I'm God's gift. I mean, my wife reminds me that she's the greatest gift that God ever gave me. Um, but in that idea that you are a gift of God, you, you're a gift of God. God has a unique purpose and a design for you that he knitted together before you were born. He knows exactly the gift of, that he created you to be. And he wants you to live in that calling. He wants you to take a step of faith Move forward into the giftings and calling that God has done for you. We need to know without a shout of a doubt what God thinks of us. You are created uniquely. There is only the thing that you can do for God. Guess what? 
I'm not Robin Booth. I can't do what Robin Booth can do because Robin Booth is special. I can't do what John Eisenhower can do because John Eisenhower is special, his unique gifting. I don't know if I could have drove a bus with my arm cut, but he had a special gift. Now, there's some safety in there too. (laughs) Don't do it again. Okay. Third thing. When Jesus calls you, we need to understand like Matthew. Not only does Matthew move, does not only Matthew know who God calls him to be, but we need to understand like Matthew. Notice those, did you notice those little differences? In Luke's gospel, man, they were amazed at everything that had happened. In Matthew, it was, man, Wow, that God gave that man such authority. And then Luke says this, It is not the healthy that need a doctor, but the sick, for I have come to call the righteous but sinners. Matthew, though, inserts something in verse 13. Put up verse 13 for me again. It says, But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. So, Matthew inserts this design of, from Jesus. He says, hey, go study this, what this means. Does anyone know? Oh, go back, go back. You're moving too fast. Does anyone know what I desire mercy, not sacrifice, where that's from? Because if you have a little Bible app, you can click on it. It pops it up. Or if you have a little footnote, it puts a little number in there, and it maybe puts it in the margins. So it's easier to search what that means. It's not Romans because they're quoting the Old Testament. Hosea 6.6. See, someone's got the Bible app open. I encourage you to read your Bible. Anyway, Hosea 6.6. For I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and acknowledgement of God rather than of burnt offerings. He just got done telling it. Go ahead and put that verse up, Hosea 6.6. He just got done healizing the paralyzed man. And he said, wow, what authority was given to a man? And then he goes, hey, go study this. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. I desire an acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. What he's saying is that, listen, I am God here. And Matthew understood that. He understood who he was talking to, who was calling him. It is God calling me, not a man, not someone that was gifted authority, but no one who had authority that could speak over sins and could bring healing. One that I have come not for the, not for the, uh, for the healthy, but the sick. I have not come for the righteous, but those that are sinners. Because I can heal not just their broken bodies, but I can hear their broken souls. And and we need to understand that who we're following is Jesus, God on earth. And that is who we are, who is calling us to walk with. That we can now walk with the power and the authority with Jesus, not because we are God, no, but because he is. And the power that he did on the cross is done in eternal. We don't have to go to a temple and worship anymore. We don't have to go and burnt sacrifices. God would rather have an acknowledgement of God rather than a burnt offering. He'd rather you know who he is 
and move with him. I'd rather have you have mercy than give me sacrifices. Be kind to one another rather than worship me. When, when we move with God, there is a step forward, a move forward that we need to go and do and be more than anything else. We need to go to the sick and the hurting. Today, there's uh, today I was I go to my usual spot. The reason why I go to Waffle House is not. I mean, I like the food. Yes, it's fast, but. I go on Sunday mornings and I prepare, I go through my sermon and I think, how is this going to impact this person that's standing across from me? And when they are excited to tell me where they got their mask at, because it has the flag of transgender on it, and they are excited to be proclaiming that. God, how, do, how does this impact them? that I understand that this is a hurt and sick world and they need Jesus more than what I can give them. But if I don't take Jesus to those situations, where else are they going to meet him? And this is a person that I have talked to for, for over a year who who claims no gender that he's enlightened more than the rest of us God you have come to bring not just healing to the body but to the soul God let me proclaim you more than myself or my agenda or my goal let them not know that I am the pastor of the dwelling place, but that I am a servant of Jesus. So let me challenge you with this. Challenge you to move in 2022. So what does that look like? Okay. Maybe it's physically. You know what? I'm not going to raise the number of hands of how many of you made New Year's resolutions or expectations, as they now call them. Okay, I'm not going to ask how many of those. I mean, I, mean I, I, to be honest, I made last year's resolution and I stuck with it, which was no making no resolutions. Or maybe I didn't because I made a resolution. I don't know. In that regard, here's the thought. If you plan to exercise more, to get healthier or whatever it is, physically moving, I just challenge you to incorporate God with you because God wants to walk with you. So if you are saying, hey, I want to spend an hour at the gym, okay, spend an hour at a gym with Jesus music or spend an hour at the gym while listening to the Bible. You can download it on your phone, you version, you can have it play while you ride your bike that's not really good workout music. I want to get pumped. Hey, come see me. I know music. I got you. Okay? KB is great. Love him. All right? His Let It Rain is amazing. Okay? 
if you want some pump-up music. I got Skillet. I got a lot of others. Okay, anyway, maybe God wants to move in you spiritually. Maybe some of you are saying, I want to journal better this year. Okay, get yourself a fancy journal. Well, I do that every year. I got five journals that don't have anything in them at my house. Okay, then pick one of the five. Save some money, okay? Go pick one of those. We've all been there. We all got that box of journals. And challenge yourself. Say, you know what? One thing that I love that my wife does is she goes, before I hit my feet on the ground, I'm going to at least read the Bible. Now, some of that times is just the verse of the day, right? Just pop it up, read, spend some time with God, okay? God, I lay everything out before you today. This, I have to go to work. I'm not looking forward to working with that person. They enjoy me nuts. They just sit in the corner, and I have to do all the work. God, I give it to you. Walk with God today. Whether that's move in your devotions, whether you say, hey, I want to challenge myself. I want to read through the whole Bible in a year, or I want to read through the New Testament in a year, or I just want to make it through a verse a day. Whatever it is, challenge yourself and stick with it. Maybe it's moving in financially. A lot of us, we talk about budgets. We talk about, oh, I'm going to strap down and do better with my budget. Are you, move with God in that. Say, God, this is my finances. What do you want me to do with it? And if first, if God says, hey, I want you to do 10%, okay, do 10%. And then he goes, I want you to give X amount of dollars to missions. Okay, missions. Now I want you to give this much. Okay, God, um, there's not much left. I want you to trust me. I want you to see that if you're faithful in giving to me, that I'll be faithful in giving to you. Maybe he wants to stretch you more. Now, by the way, did you notice I didn't say dwelling place in there at all? I just said give. Because whatever God wants you to do is what God wants you to do. Maybe for some of you it is that 10%. Maybe you've never trusted God in tithing before. Maybe that's what God wants to challenge you with. Maybe God wants to challenge you with giving to missions because you've never done that before. I don't know. It's not like you open up your personal checkbooks and show me what's going on. I don't need to know, by the way. You don't have to show me. But I challenge you, move with God. Whatever you decide to do, ask God. Move with Jesus. Journey with him. And move like Matthew. When God tells you to do it, get up and do it. Know that you are special, a unique gift of God, and that God has, has a plan and purpose for you that is only for you. And understand that you're moving with God and not with a man, but that Jesus has the authority to take and move forward what needs to happen in your world around you. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for all that you're doing in 2022 and all the exciting things that are happening this year and last year. God, I pray that you would do, you are already doing amazing things and we just have to be in the flow of what you're going. We know that you are moving. We know that you are walking with us. And so, God, Lord, I ask that you would uh, open up our hearts, open up our eyes, and that we would move, like Matthew, to what you want to do as we journey with you this year. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.